It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Monday, January 17, 2022. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Sitka could see more than double the cruise ship passengers it sees in a typical year this summer, and the city is scrambling to accommodate them. And while there's potential for Sitka's business economy to benefit, the influx comes with costs, too. KCAW's Catherine Rose reports. On the biggest days of the cruise season this summer, Sitka could double in size. Last spring, Sitka Sound cruise terminal owner Chris McGraw announced the recent expansion of his private cruise ship dock meant a very big tourism year was in the works. The community could see around 480,000 cruise ship passengers from the end of April to early October. And the mad dash to prepare began. The city's planning department is focusing primarily on triage this season, with more long-term plans to come next year. Commissioners presented the document to the Assembly during a work session on Thursday. Assemblymember Crystal Duncan wondered how Sitka's tourism boom will compare to other Southeast communities. But I'm just wondering, there are other uh, cruise ports that are anticipating numbers similar to ours. Have we been able to touch base with those planning departments or or those municipalities to figure out what they're going to do to accept this type of traffic this season? According to planning director Amy Ainsley, while many communities are seeing growth this year, none are seeing an increase comparable to Sitka's. In the last couple of years, we've been at about 200,000. So for us to go to 480 is, you know, more than doubling sort of what we've had as the norm, whereas, you know, communities like Juneau are going from maybe like 1.1 million to 1.3. So as a, as a percentage change as, a, as like what is kind of normal life and how much they can absorb, um, Places like Juneau, Ketchikan, and Skagway are positioned pretty differently than Sitka. And with that staggering increase come a lot of questions about everything from traffic to toilets and cell phone service. And right now, not all of those questions have clear answers. The biggest change is a possible Lincoln Street closure on ship days of 3,000 or more passengers, which is nearly half the cruise season. That's what the Planning Commission is recommending, but another option is making the street one way all summer. Ainsley asked which option the Assembly preferred, but several members, including Kevin Mosher, said he wanted more community feedback before making a decision. My only concern is I'm just hung up on the, the how we handle Lincoln Street. I don't know which way I'm going to vote. You know, I might end up going one uh, complete closure. I just, I'm just... It's just hard to pill the quality, you know, to think about that. Assemblymember Tor Christensen, the Planning Commission's liaison, said the one-way option was probably the worst of both worlds for traffic and safety. Well, more congestion and we'll throw in a, a safety aspect and it won't be very easy to drive down there. I mean, it'll be it'll be hard to drive through. I mean, it'd be better. I, I, I guess it would be better than not closing them at all, but it would, it would be rough. What the Assembly ultimately decides about Lincoln Street will affect the overall budget. While the city could profit tremendously from a boom tourism year, it will cost anywhere from $1.2 to $1.5 million to prepare for the summer. The plan's budget includes everything from $300,000 for temporary bathrooms to $100,000 for an ATV ambulance for use at the cruise ship dock. The Assembly will likely draw from the $1.6 million held in the city's cruise passenger excise tax fund. 
That's money collected by the state from cruise ship head taxes that must be spent on items and services for tourists. Since the meeting was a work session, no public comment was taken on the draft plan. The Assembly will consider the plan on first reading at its next regular meeting on January 25th. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. You can find a link to Sitka's 2022 short-term tourism plan on our website, kcaw.org. The passing of Sitkin Dave Galanin in December was a twofold loss for Alaska. He was a renowned engraver in the Northwest Coast tradition, and he was a singer and slide guitarist from somewhere deep within the Delta Blues. Most of all, however, he was a teacher whose legacy survives in the art of his own family and in the work of his students. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. It doesn't seem fair that someone gets to be both a master carver and a blues musician, but one consolation may be that Dave Galanin was a reluctant musician. His friend Gary Galker calls Galanin a woodshedder, someone whose musical talent may have just been overflow from his primary art and who never really expected to perform. Gauker, a harmonica player, and guitarist Lee Asnan decided to change that when they invited Galanin to join them at the Port Townsend Acoustic Blues Festival about 25 years ago. Right at the last minute, he was he was so freaked out about playing, you know, that he was he was sweating, and we we almost had to drag him on a stage. But when we got him up there, and he he, he took off, and uh, you know, people just loved it, and um, it it was a it was one of the highlights of my life, to be honest. With you. The blues genie was out of the bottle after that, and Galanin became a fixture of the music scene in Sitka and beyond. He went on to record two albums under his performance name Strum and Dog, both of which remain available and often played online. Galanin's brightest star, however, was carving and engraving. As a young man, he apprenticed with Louis Menard at the Southeast Alaska Indian Cultural Center and then went on to found Galanin Silverworks. His shop became a magnet for other students who remember how Galanin taught respect for the formline traditions of Northwest Coast art and how it was possible to not be bound by them. Artist Jennifer Younger Rudas recalls asking Galanin if she could step outside of Southeast Alaska clan motifs and carve a silver cuff with a spider. And he said, do it. You can do whatever you want. Just do proper formline. And for some reason, that sentence like my brain was like oh my god <laughs> my options are endless you know I have this freedom and I don't I just took those words for him to say. Younger Rudas says Galanin's encouragement propelled her into a full-time career in art. Yeah I just got so consumed I mean even to this day if I could just be left alone in my shop 24-7 I am a happy camper and part of that is uh, blame on Dave too. He always said do something every day related to your art. Galanin's influence rubbed off on others most notably his two sons Nick and Jared now master carvers in their own right Yek Yetzin Nick Galanin says that Dave's influence in his children's life was huge and that he was a mentor not just in art but in everything. Yek Yetzin says he began working with Formline by third grade. There was childhood eagerness to understand the language of that work and that generally came through osmosis or just, you know, working through sketchbooks with him. 
Both Galan and brothers have studios in Sitka now. On top of that, Yik Yetzin has pursued an international career in visual arts and his band, Yet Seen, signed with Sub Pop Records last February. He harnessed a lot of love and power through his, you know, the energy and ideas and work, and that was abundance for me. So Dave Galanin has gone, suddenly and unexpectedly, at the age of 66 in Washington State on December 18th, 2021. But there is a lot of the man left behind. Gary Gauker is sure of that. Well, he'll, he'll be missed, and, and uh, I'm, he's going to be my uh, my blues buddy forever. It takes a bad woman, tear a good man down. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. I said it takes a bad woman, tear a good man down. Beavers are moving to the Arctic Circle as the Alaskan tundra heats up and the beaver population rebounds after centuries of trapping. A study published in December shows the small industrious mammal is accelerating climate change in the north. KTOO's Claire Stremble reports. Beaver ponds are showing up in places they've never been before. For the past five years, ecologist Ken Tape has used satellite imagery and old aerial photos to map where beavers have dammed streams and created ponds. The University of Alaska Fairbanks professor says he was shocked by the magnitude of change. You know, if it were a few streams, it wouldn't be a big deal, but Um, It's a lot more than that. His research shows that beavers have built upwards of 12,000 new ponds in the last half century. That's bad news for melting permafrost. Tape and his fellow researchers have long tracked the effects of climate change on permafrost thaw and Arctic vegetation and water, but they were really surprised by the effects of beavers. But when we got to beavers, it was like, whoa, You get some beavers in on some stream and it'll never look the same again. I mean, it's just so transformational what they do. When beavers dam a stream, it creates a pond that's deeper than the stream was and retains more heat. Tape says if you liked the Arctic the way it was, this is not a good thing. He says to think of ponds like little oases for creatures that don't usually live in the Arctic. They thaw permafrost and release carbon dioxide. It's a case where increased biodiversity isn't healthy for the native ecology. The landscape is falling apart um, with permafrost thaw, and beavers are, are that, that trend on, on steroids. And, and one of the big reasons is that permafrost is really a, rapidly impacted by changes in hydrology in surface water, and that's precisely what beavers do. The full effects of beaver ponds on fish and water quality aren't clear yet. Tape says last season kicked off what will be about five years of field study around Nome and Kotzebue. He says he has an idea of the big picture, but it's the people in Arctic communities who can help him learn how beavers are changing life and livelihood in the North. Reporting in Juneau, I'm Claire Strimple. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.